Yes, you doing well? Yeah, everyone's awake, alive. Everyone got enough toilet paper? Anyone missing any? I don't have any rolls to hand out today, but I'm sure I could hook you up later. <laughs> I almost made Rick crash the car yesterday because we went down to the local shopping centre to pick up a few grocery items and I saw a man walk across the car park holding toilet paper and I went, oh! and he went, oh! and he almost, <laughs> he almost smashed into the car. He had no idea what was going on. I'm like, oh, a man's got toilet paper. Woolworths has got toilet paper. I was so excited. I was down to my last few rolls. So, you know, that was really cool. <laughs> and there was no rumbling, no knives pulled, no nothing. So that was a, that was a good day. <laughs> So, what a funny old day we live in, eh? Extraordinary. And I guess if we were underestimating uh, the levels of anxiety and fear that exist in the heart of man in our nation, uh, we no longer underestimate that, right? It's a little crazy. I want you to know on a really practical level uh, that as a staff team, we are, um, without being like crazy and neurotic we are actually attending to what we can attend to so every week we have volunteers coming to um, sterilize the building uh, so that uh, we are taking care of especially our slightly more senior and mature members of church that we want to make sure that you're being cared for and uh, there's lots of um, there's lots of stuff out there on just how to manage uh, coronavirus without losing your mind so you know, things like not touching your face and coughing into your elbow and blah, 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 blah. So we're all going to do our best so that we can keep coming together as a family. Is that cool? So that's good. Excellent. Uh, and we're even just talking as a media team about how we can um, live stream our services on a regular basis to our church members uh, so that if you are a little sick and decide it's safer to be at home, that you don't have to miss out. So these are all the little things that we're trying to work on just to uh, make sure we get through this and not lose our minds or anything else. <laughs> Praise God. Um, it's great to have the kids in today. I'm going to be telling some stories in my sermon today. And if you want to draw an illustration of one of those sermons, I'm sure you can bring them to Mike afterwards. And Mike will have something to reward you with uh, in either today or in the future. Uh, <laughs> so that would be awesome. So I'll, I'll tell a few stories. Uh, but first of all, I just wanted to fill you in on Friday night. Friday night, uh, locals have changed a little bit. For us, they're all about us uh, really um, pressing into uh, advancing the kingdom, pressing into this dream that we have about church planting and so we have the youth that gather here uh, and they're doing some phenomenal things you had a good night Friday night yeah and uh, yes yes yeah Brent spoke I heard hey Brent woo! come on and uh, and and the rest of us uh, divided up into three groups and took on three suburbs Windsor Downs uh, Riverston and Marsden Park oh my gosh that was an eye-opener right there and um, an exciting one. And, uh, and so we letterbox dropped our Easter in invitation and prayed, just prayed through the streets of those suburbs and prayed that God would move. And we really believe that we are going into these areas like Joshua and Caleb did in Canaan and spying out the promised land. 
our ear is just, you know, to the Holy Spirit, just to see where we might plant um, our next church. So that's kind of cool and exciting. And then we met at the um, Marsden Park Brew House because we really kind of just had this revelation about in Psalms 23 when um, when God uh, says he prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. Our enemies are not flesh and blood enemies. Our enemies are principalities and powers. And so we thought we are going to go and have a meal right in the area that we're claiming for the kingdom of God, picking a fight with the enemy, and we're going to have a meal. And we're going to relax. We're going to enjoy each other's company. We're going to enjoy food. And we're picking a fight with the enemy. So who knew that having a meal is an act of spiritual warfare? But it is. <laughs> and I, know, I want to tell you, every time you guys meet in, you know, your family dinners, your oikoses, you are, decla- you are having, that's spiritual warfare. Like you are declaring war against the enemy because he's saying, we're, we are here gathered in the name of Jesus. And we are, we're really gathered in the name of Jesus. I mean, how many of you know that you probably wouldn't in ordinary life necessarily be friends with everyone in this room? Like, you know, if you met each other, you wouldn't necessarily choose each other to be friends. But because we are in Christ, like the video just said, we're family. You can choose your friends. You can't choose your family. (laughs) Every time we choose together, it is an act of spiritual warfare. So I want, to, I want to tell you that, you know, when you turn up here on a Sunday or when you turn up to a grow group or, you know, commit yourself to a huddle or, you know, turn up to a family dinner, it is an act of spiritual warfare. I really want to encourage you about the spiritual significance of, of what you're doing. That in the natural may not feel like it's warfare because hopefully it's not. <laughs> you might be fighting over the really good salad. That's, that's happened. But um, all the toilet paper. But, you know. But no, spiritual warfare. Awesome. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to get stuck into my word today. Uh, so our, our banner across the year, of course, is going deeper, stretching, wider. And we've, we've uh, broken that down into sub themes for the term. So term one is all about lift up your eyes. And I really just want to encourage us this morning to lift up our eyes and see what God has called us to. I want you to see your calling. I want you to see it, and not to see it, but I want you to consider how you can fill the space of your calling. So if you're taking notes today, and I thoroughly recommend it, taking notes, you can write down the title of my message today is Filling the Space of Your Calling. So the, the verse that uh, Pastor Rick gave us was Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 16. And it says this, pay careful attention then to how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Now, I always like looking at the dictionary at words that we might not be using necessarily on a daily basis and just kind of milk it for all it's worth. So I looked up the word redeeming and it means to atone or make amends for to save someone from sin, error, or evil, to gain or regain possession of something, to do something that compensates for poor past performance or behavior, or to fulfill or to carry out. Or if you like, the New Living Translation actually writes this verse as, 
make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Make the most. And I think that we have an incredible opportunity in 2020 to really make the most of these evil days that we live in. We really can. And, uh, you know, as I I was uh, just reading through this last night, um, you know, just getting ready for this morning, I felt a sense, and maybe just a prophetic sense, that there are those of you who are sitting here and you're tired. You feel very tired. You feel very stretched. You feel very overwhelmed. And that the idea of having to make the effort to, you know, make make the most of every opportunity just makes you feel even more tired. But I want to tell you that the Holy Spirit is here today to meet with you and to encourage you and to refresh your spirit, to renew your vision, to restore your hope to do something transformative on the inside of each and every one of you because your end does not have to look like the beginning. Are you listening to me? The end of this year will look very different to the beginning of this year for you. And I want you to receive that into your spirit this morning because God is at work and God does the supernatural. He does the miraculous. He does the impossible. And He's going to do that in your heart. And so when I speak today, I want you to receive this, not as words of condemnation because you think you're going to fall short, but words of life as the Holy Spirit breathes something new into each and every one of you. Will you receive that this morning? All right, good. So no condemnation, guilt, no guilt trips, especially you girls. We're not doing that today. No guilt trips because you're too expert at it. All right, so filling the space of your calling. The first thing that I thought of, a a memory just popped up when I was uh, considering this topic, and it was a memory of Judah. Everyone know Judah, my son, my second son? He's pastoring up at mountains, he and Megan and little Mercy. And so when Judah was um, about two, my uncle made me these beautiful wooden Austrian sleigh beds. My uncle makes furniture that will withstand any earthquake, any apocalypse, anything. Like if you want to be safe, you hide under that bed. It is so well made. (laughs) Like they were horrible to move with, let me just tell you. And we moved quite a few times with those beds. But I was so excited. They looked beautiful and they were matching ones for Jesse and Judah because they were going into a room together. And I'd even, like, it's all Noah's Ark theme, and I cross-stitched little animal pairs on their sheets. Oh, it was so cute. All these things you do. I don't know. Solomon, I think I bought something for him. (laughs) By the time you get to number four, poor Charlie. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Um, But anyway, so it was the first night of them sleeping in their new beds, and Judah had come from a cot into this great big giant sleigh bed. And so it was all exciting. And, you know, we tucked them in and read them stories and prayed to Jesus and lights out. And it was, it was all going well. They went off to sleep. And I thought, I'll just check on them before I go to sleep. And I walked into the room and I could see Jesse perfectly lying on his back as he likes to sleep. And I couldn't see Judah. There was no sign of him. 
I'm thinking, oh, I, little little heart, flood of panic. Like, oh my gosh, where's my baby? <laughs> First night out of a cot, where on earth is he? And I rushed over to the bed and here he was squished up in the very corner, because the Austrian beds have sides, right in the very corner with his back up against the, the, the wood, the timber, uh, right in the very corner because clearly the bed was a little bit overwhelming in its size. It's a little bit too big. And he'd been sleeping in a cot where he could feel the sides, you know, kick one leg and the next. And he kind of knew, knew the, the boundaries of his bed and that felt safe and secure for him. Now he's in this giant bed and it didn't feel so safe. So here he is squished up in the corner. Now I want to tell you, by the end of his time of living at home, before he got married, his feet were touching the bottom of that bed. <laughs> he had grown to fill the entire space of that bed. And I want to encourage you today that filling the space of our calling is a little bit like that. It's an inch at a time. It's just an inch at a time. It's just taking a little bit more ground. It's just daring to take a little bit more of a step, even just a small one into filling the space of your calling. It doesn't all have to be at once. You know, I was thinking, um, we're working on, on uh, the second edition of Wonder Magazine and we're almost there, aren't we, Kaz? Yeah, it's like, whew, we can see the finish line. It's exciting. We have really enjoyed putting this together. It, it, it has got some fabulous articles in it. And, uh, but, you know, I was considering that, you know, that we, we now as a church, we're producing a magazine. And there's lots of you contributing, like photos and stories and just incredible. It's an incredible team that's coming together to do it. And I was thinking about the fact that I had a dream to write as a young woman. And I've written different things, you know, small things, and kind of just had this dream. And, and, and there were many years I made no extra... Um, I, I took no extra ground in that. I, I've got to say, I've got to admit it. And I was thinking, oh, one of these days I'm going to write a blog. I'm, I'm going to do that. And I, you know, put that off and the years would roll over and I wouldn't take any more ground. And then one year when Jo Saxton was here, I remember Jo Saxton we had a few years ago. Um, she was very fun. And, um, and she, she spoke to me and I just felt it in my spirit. It's like, because I said to her, but you know, like you're such an extrovert. You know, how do you actually sit and discipline yourself to write the blog and everything? She went, you just have to do it. And I'm like, oh, oh, I was waiting for an angelic visitation, lightning to hit me something incredible, I'm waiting, you know, and, and I came away from that and I went, I've just got to do it. And so that year we started a blog, a sisterhood blog, and we wrote for a couple of years. And it, it was great. We started to find out who our writers were or started to get a little bit of a, a tone, a bit of an idea how to write. And, and it was like taking another inch. It was filling the space of our calling. And then, of course, came the, the, the day, uh, actually, it was Joe Geerling um, that sent me a, a copy of her um, magazine that she was doing up, up in Queensland and, and I'm like this is actually this, this is my dream this is what I want to do and so I, I took it to our team and I said 
what do you think, guys? Because I've got no graphic design skills at all. I can just write. So what do you think? And I'm thinking they're going to say, oh, you know, we don't really have time, you know. It's like, we probably don't have the equipment. No, they just about ran over the table, jumped over the table, went, yes, we're going to do it. We're so excited. So it was an incredible thing. And now, now we're up to our second edition. And on top of that, really cool news, um, Rosaire, who was in the first edition, who is the um, Australian Christian Women's Leader for uh, ACC, she uh, contacted me recently and asked me if I would like to, uh, to present it and sell it at state conference this year because she thinks it's so good. I know, how good is that? So um, our little Wonder Magazine with our little stories in it are going to start spreading across the state. So <laughs> that's very, very cool. Um, but that was just taking, deciding to take an inch. It was just deciding to step into an area of my calling. I knew God was calling me to do something. I didn't know what it looked like. There was a lot of unknowns, but I made a decision to take a little step. And I want to tell you today, if you make a decision to just take a little step, you'll be amazed at what might happen. You know, I was thinking about, a, um, about Esther in the Bible. I love the story of Esther. I've always loved the story of Esther because it's always been about Mordecai. Like, he's the best youth pastor ever. If you want to learn how to be a youth pastor, look at Mordecai. Uh, because he just set the next generation up so beautifully. And, uh, and so I want to read some of the story of Esther. And, uh, you know, of course, the, the, um, the, the issue was that the king uh, in this, uh, in this uh, town, he, uh, his wife had disobeyed him. And so he had kicked her out, excommunicated her. And so he was shopping for a new wife. And so we pick up the story in Esther chapter 2. Now, there was a Jew in Susa, the citadel, whose name was Mordecai the son of Jair, son of Shimei, son of Kish, a Benjamite, who had been carried away from Jerusalem among the captives, carried away with Jeconia, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had carried away. He was bringing up Hadassah, that is Esther, the daughter of his uncle, for she had neither father nor mother. The young woman had a beautiful figure, was lovely to look at, and when her father and her mother died, Mordecai took her as his daughter. So when the king's order and his edict were proclaimed, I need a wife, shopping for a wife. And when many young women were gathered in Susa, the citadel, in custody of Hegai, Esther also was taken into the king's palace and put in custody of Hegai, who had charge of the women. And the young woman pleased him and won his favor. And he quickly provided her with her cosmetics and her portion of food and with seven chosen young women from the king's palace and advanced her and her young women to the best place in the harem. Esther had not made known her people or kindred, as in not knowing that she was a Jew, for Mordecai had commanded her not to make it known. And every day Mordecai walked in front of the court of the harem to learn how Esther was and what was happening to her. See what I mean by the best youth pastor? He's just awesome. When the turn came for Esther, the daughter of Abihail, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his own daughter to go into the king, she asked for nothing except what Haggai, the king's eunuch, who had charge of the women, advised. Now Esther was winning favor in the eyes of all who saw her. And when Esther was taken to King Ahasuerus into his royal palace in the 10th month, which is the month of Tibet in the seventh year of his reign, the king loved Esther more than all the women and she won grace and favor 
in his sight more than all the virgins so that he set the royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. And then the king gave a great feast for all of his officials and servants. It was Esther's feast. What I love about this story is that this, this again, it was a story of Esther filling the space of her calling. She had no idea. I mean, her, she started out rough. I mean, she's an orphan. She's now essentially being raised by her cousin, uncle. It's a bit blurry there. Um, and prospects for her, a Jew in exile, weren't great. But that doesn't matter. Because when God calls us, he calls us to something great doesn't matter what our roots are, what our past is, what our foundations were. doesn't matter how bad your family was. doesn't matter about the mistakes you've made. None of that matters. It doesn't matter your class, your, your color, your culture. None of that matters in God because when He calls you, He calls you to something great. He also doesn't really give you much of a hint of where it's going to go. <laughs> he kind of just calls you, come follow me and we go sure where are we going (laughs) and he doesn't tell us that bit (laughs) Uh, that's great because it happened to Abraham so if it's good enough for Abraham it's good enough for us right to not have any idea where we're going but we get a sense of that calling that God is calling us into something and we'll never discover what it is if we don't take a step so Mordecai sees this opportunity for Esther and he encourages us. He says, I want, you to, I want you to put your hat in the ring. I want you to have a go. And clearly, daily, he's guiding her and advising her. Daily, he's giving her wisdom. Daily, he's helping her see the opportunities. Hey, hey, guys in charge of the women, you've got to get in good with him. You've got to look after that relationship. You do exactly what he tells you to do and win his favor. If you do that, you'll, you'll have more of a chance. And so she'll go back. Okay, today I'll do whatever hair guy says. And you see this this flow, this this flow happening where Mordecai is encouraging her every day to take another step, another step closer to into her calling, whatever that might be. Mordecai didn't know. It was just an opportunity. And he had no idea that God might just use that for something significant. So we pick up the story a little bit uh, down the down the track. And you know, Esther's queen now. But there's some troubling things going on. The advisor of the king hates Mordecai, discovers he's a Jew, and manipulates the king to sign an edict to basically wipe out the Jews. I don't know what it is about trying to wipe out the Jews. It just never stops, does it? It's just, you know, thousands of years of trying to wipe out the Jews. And so Mordecai learns of this and is greatly distressed And so we pick up the story in Esther chapter 4. Here we go. When Esther's young women and her eunuchs came and told her about Mordecai in sackcloth and ash in mourning, the queen was deeply distressed. She sent garments to clothe Mordecai so that he might take off his sackcloth, but he would not accept them. Then Esther called for Hathach, one of the king's eunuchs who had been appointed to attend her, and ordered him to go to Mordecai to learn what this was and why it was. Hathach went out to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate, and Mordecai told him all that had happened to him and the exact sum of money that Haman, the bad guy, 
had promised to pay into the king's treasuries for the destruction of the Jews. Mordecai also gave him a copy of the written decree issued in Susa for their destruction, that he might show it to Esther and explain it to her and command her to go to the king to beg his favor and plead with him on behalf of her people. And Hathach went and told Esther what Mordecai had said. Then Esther spoke to Hathach and commanded him to go to Mordecai and say, All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law to be put to death, except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter so that he may live. But as for me, I've not been called to come to the king these 30 days. And they told Mordecai what Esther had said. And then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go, gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf and do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. We pick up a story, you know, some sometime later after she's become queen, we, we pick this story up and, you know, Esther may have thought she'd arrived. Well, I'm here. This is the extent of my calling. I'm the queen. Fantastic. Praise the Lord. Uh, Now I get to live happily ever after. But no, because she had youth pastor Mordecai in her ear saying, there's always more. When it comes to God, there is always more. There is always more ground to take. There is always more room to spread wide, to go deep. There is always more. You're not going to you're not going to hit the walls of what God's called you to. It's not a small box God puts us in. It's a big one. Ever unfolding, ever unrolling. It's awesome. It's an expansive, life-giving thing that we have in Jesus. You know, it's not a tiny box he puts us in. That's good news, people. And I want to tell you if you're feeling walls or doors, God didn't put them there. You have, have another look. Because Mordecai says this, Esther, Esther's like, no, no, I can feel the door. It's death. Like if I approach the king, definitely, I've definitely gone as far as I can go. And Mordecai's like, no, you haven't. You're born for such a time as this. Get in there. Come on. God's got you in there for a reason. Push. Push, girl. Push. And so she's like, okay, right. Yes, that's right. You have raised me to always believe that there's more always another opportunity that God is with me and God's blessing me and God's called me and I'm going to trust him and I don't have to know where this goes I just have to do the push and I just have to do the stepping into it so okay fast for me I'm going to fast we're going to do this thing and of course as we know the story of Esther ends very well Esther unfortunately the king could not reverse his edict rather he granted a new edict that the Jews could take up weapons and and fight for their own life and of course they did and they were triumphant and Esther was triumphant Mordecai was triumphant the guy that tried to kill uh, Mordecai he ended up being hung on the same gallows that he was planning on hanging hanging Mordecai it had a brilliant story a brilliant outcome 
And Esther, little old Esther, little orphan Annie Esther, she ends up saving the entire Jewish people. How like God is that? How like God is that? I want to tell you, there is more. Opportunity in God. I'm not talking about secular opportunity. I mean, that's there too. But I'm talking about spiritual opportunity. Opportunity for the kingdom. Opportunity for your call to be fulfilled. It is, there's always more. Always. I love watching my dad in his mid-70s. He's dreaming up the next thing he's going to do. He's like, I'm going to reach these baby boomers. They all had scripture when they were younger. They know the gospel. And they're all facing death. I reckon I'm going to get a few into the kingdom. I'm going to preach my lungs out until I've got no more breath left. I love that. He's, he's showing me that there's always more. And come on, yes, there is always more. So I've got a little fun video I want to show you. It's a bit tongue-in-cheek, but it kind of illustrates where I'm going. So how about eyes to the screen and watch this video. You know, I mean, we're not a boys club or a social club. We're just a group of husbands collectively waiting for our wives um, in the Target parking lot. I used to get so bored. Hours and hours of waiting in the car. I thought it'd be a good idea one time to go in with the wife. Thought I could maybe scout out some camping gear or something like that. Just ended up holding their purse. Eventually, I just started returning the cards just to stay busy, get a little exercise. And then the target management noticed and they offered me a job. They said I could work whenever my wife was shopping. Last week, I clocked 12 hours. Between 2015 and 2018, I actually completed my doctorate online while waiting for my wife. Then one day, everything changed. I'm sitting in the car, it's been 63 minutes, I'm furious, and then there's this knock on the window. Hey, got some new jerky. You want, you want to try some? Charlie's beef jerky. Yeah, that was honestly the start of our friendship. You know, it didn't happen all at once. Honestly, I don't remember how it started. Penn came along, and then this Miles guy started parking closer to us, and then eventually, like, the group was just formed. What do we do here? Well, uh, we toss the ball around, play some cards, you know, a little gambling. Uh, we have supper if it gets late enough. When Miles brought his grill, <laughs> it changed everything. So we got your standard grill set up that everyone has. We got the coffee over here. We got the beans about to go there. Brats on the grill. It's lunchtime. One summer we did a series of car washes and we actually raised enough money to put a big screen in the back of Penn's van. That was a good summer. For a while the kids were real damper on the group, you know, but then we got a two-car system going where each guy takes a 15-minute shift watching the kids while the others just get to chill, hang out. Eventually we decided just to put a security camera in the daycare van so we can keep an eye on the kids, but also keep a full poker table. Oh, God! This will pay for my uh, wife's target run. Hey, somebody got eyes on the kids? Oh, they're fine. You know, honestly, I think this has saved my marriage. My wife and I used to constantly fight about how much time she was spending at Target. But now, thanks to the group, my marriage is stronger than ever. I clip coupons for her now so we can head to Target and I can hang out with the guys and she can do her thing, uh, whatever she does in there. 
Oh, come on, babe. Five more minutes. No, we gotta go right just now. Five, just five. more minutes. You guys have been in here all day. Oh, Can we see the sale on the curtains? Um, they're really, they're really nice. They're yep. real cute. Got, gotta go. I know it sounds crazy, but I look forward to those throw pillows going on sale now. Get to see my boys. Hi, we're coming tomorrow. Yeah, they got a sale tomorrow. You'll be here. They got a sale tomorrow. Okay, alright, y'all. See you guys tomorrow. Yeah, alright, sounds good. I just hope it doesn't end with us. I would love to see target husband groups just formed all over the world. There's no reason for any husband to have to endure a red tag sale alone. If you see another guy waiting for his wife, you know, just offer him some beef jerky. Let him know you're down to hang. Your best friend may be just two cars away. We have so much in common. We all have wives, and they're all in there, somewhere. My name is Miles. My name is Pitt. My name is Charlie. My name is Taylor, and I am a target husband. And I'm a target husband. And I am a target husband. And I'm a target husband. Well, there's four men that took the most of every opportunity. <laughs> Redeeming the Saturdays for the target sales are evil. <laughs> uh, you know, that, that's kind of tongue-in-cheek. But listen, isn't that kind of how we're supposed to be living for the kingdom? Always looking for that person two cars away that may just become our next best friend and a member of the you know, kingdom of heaven. And, uh, and so I, I really want to encourage us today about considering 2020 a year to take another inch of your calling. Maybe it's just one thing that you've been thinking about doing for a long time and now it's time to do it. Just step into it. You don't have to have all the details worked out. Just have a go. Step into it. You know, maybe you've been thinking it's time for me to really develop my leadership I, I need to get huddled this year. I need someone to huddle me. I, I, need, I need to be mentored by someone. You know, maybe it's just I've got a grow group idea and I've been sitting on it. And I think it's time to do it. You know, maybe it's that neighbor across the street that you keep waving to from a distance, but it's time to have the conversation. It's time to just linger at the letterbox, you know, and have the conversation, or linger along the fence line and have the conversation. Maybe that, you know, um, that work colleague that you've been saying you want to have over for dinner, just do it. Just step into it. Just take an inch because you have no idea what God might do with that, what he might breathe into that. You have no idea where those things might lead. And don't be afraid of where they might lead because God is good. And the things he has for us are for our good. <coughs> I want to finish with a story. I'm preaching myself hoarse. <coughs> Um, and it's about one of our very own, Mrs. Karen Stuttle, sitting up the back there. She's featuring in our Next Wonder edition. And I want to tell you about a woman who decided to take an inch. And when I spoke to her, her inches started long, long before she even realised they started, I think. But um, Karen, uh, when she moved into Karajong Heights, she set up a little stall where she had her extra herbs and she would just have them there for the neighborhood to take just offered them 
And of course, you know, that was enough to make the local neighbours realise she's a nice person, nice neighbour. We like nice neighbours, don't we? (laughs) And so uh, when she got very sick uh, with the flu a couple of years ago, it occurred to her that people who were isolated didn't have the kind of support system that she had and it bothered her. And so she sat on that for a little bit and realised she wanted to do something about it in her local community. And so she, she set up her little uh, Mountain of Joy group and the whole purpose of it was to cook meals for people who were in isolation and in crisis. She thought she'd just start there because she can cook. That woman can cook. <laughs> and so she started there. And so she just whacks up a bit of an ad on the local, you know, community pages. Hey, I'm thinking of doing this. Anyone interested? And down the road, a fellow Christian and food, food passionate person <laughs> says, I'm in. I would love to do that. And so she joins her and she starts to cook meals and finding people in the community, elderly, you know, a single mum who you know, might be sick, and, and provide the meals. Just, just started small. She just took an inch. She just took an inch. She works full time. She's a busy woman. She's got two kids. She just took an inch. And that grew. And of course, on October 26th last year, lightning struck and the Gosper Mountain fires began. And suddenly she finds herself smack bang in the middle of feeding all these fireys, cooking meals for these fireys which then attracts the attention of a lot of people. And so they, they find themselves having um, freezers donated to them so that they can, you know, cook and store hundreds of meals. And more people join to cook. And then, and then she's on the phone to politicians about, the, you know, these, these clients of hers that didn't have power and, and they, were, they were vulnerable. And so she advocates for them and she gets their power put on and she gets generators delivered and 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 so and then so the rotary club find out about her contact her and say hey we've got this deal going with the lions club and lithgow and they want to give a million dollars worth of white goods to fire affected victims which is great but we have no idea like we need someone on the ground who knows who these people are would you would you help us out with that little karen from Karajong heights who one year decided to take an inch more of her calling and now has found herself, you know, well-known in the community, loved in the community, incredible reputation. Now she's got people outside of the community, you know, in contact with her because, you know, they want to they help and they know that she's the woman on the ground to do it. Good on you, Karen. I really loved telling her story. You're going to love it in Wonder Magazine. Shame it's only for the women. Sorry, fellas. No, you can read it too. It's all right. (laughs) Uh, No, it's great. That's how simple it looks. Taking an inch. Why don't the musos come up? Why don't you just all stand to your feet? I think standing is a good posture to be in when we're considering taking ground. Some of you are already doing this. You're already on track. You know what you're doing. You're, ta- you're taking ground this year. But I believe that even as I was speaking today, that the Holy Spirit has a way of speaking just individually to every heart. 
And if there's, if there's ground, you know it's time to step into. Trust that the Holy Spirit has you. You don't have to have it all worked out. Just take the step. Take the inch. Before you know it, you'll be just like Judah and your feet will be touching the bottom. <laughs> Come on, let's just, let's just be in an attitude of prayer and just wait upon the Lord. God, you are so good. You are so faithful. And Lord, I know that you put on my heart those that were especially tired because today you want to meet with them. And the Holy Spirit wants you to know that when you're operating in your calling, it is like what Jesus said when he ministered to the Samaritan woman at the well. He says, I have food you know not of. It's food to your soul. It's nourishment to your spirit. When you are stepping into the space of your calling, there is a fulfillment and a joy and a hope that fills you, that overrides a lot of that natural tiredness. So trust me. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to say to you. Trust me. Let me lead you. Trust me. So, Father God, this morning, as your people, we just stand in awe of all that you have done in our lives and all that you are yet to do. And, Father, I pray that today we would be bold, Lord, that we would draw on that, the courage of the Holy Spirit, that we would be bold and we would step into all that you have for us. Just one step. I thank you, God, that you are a God that prepares the way, that goes before us, that opens doors, that makes things happen, that makes provision happen. You make the way, Lord Jesus. You are the way. And so we trust in you as we step into all that you have for us today. And we bless your beautiful name. Amen. 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 Jonathan.